Episode 43, the atomic number of technetium, the number of Richard Petty's race car when he won seven Winston Cup championships. True story, Microsoft Internet Explorer sponsored a race team, but the car kept crashing. Go, go, go! Welcome to the 43rd episode of The Prob G Show and the first episode of 2021. Now's the time for us to say. Go fuck yourself, 2020. Anyways, Happy New Year from the dog. Today we're sharing our predictions from the live stream that took place on the 17th of December. We'll review the predictions we made for 2020 and hold ourselves accountable on the ones we got right and the ones we got wrong. In addition, We'll talk about our predictions for 2021. A few disclosures, a few disclosures. I get this wrong all the time. As Eisenhower said, plans are useless, but planning is invaluable. And I think the same is true of predictions. Predictions are somewhat worthless, but predicting is worthwhile as hopefully this catalyzes some discussion within your own organization that helps you develop economic security for you and your family. Another disclosure, I own stock in the following companies. So many of these stocks, I'm talking my own book, but I don't know what you want to call that. I, I generally believe in the themes and trends behind these stocks, and I'm trying to vote with my feet and my wallet. Some of them are public, Amazon, Apple, Twitter, Airbnb, I own, and then some also Lemonade, a public stock I own. And then some private companies, 98.6, better.com, and my higher education startup, Section 4. So if it sounds like I'm talking my own book, as I referenced before, I am, and we're trying to uh, put our money where our math is. Anyways, enough of the disclosure. Let's get on with it. First, we're going to revisit our 2020 predictions after this quick break. Stay with us. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Eurovision is here. This year's contest gets underway this week in Malmö, Sweden, but this year's contest comes with a dose of controversy. I'll give you one guess as to what people are mad about. Yes, correct. It's that. Organizers of the Eurovision Song Contest say they are assessing whether Israel's entry breaks the rules on political neutrality. I think it's a shame. I think there's no way that, that Israel should be able to participate in Europe. Pro-Palestinian protesters are taking to the Swedish streets. More than a thousand Swedish artists, including Robin, have called for an Israel ban. Some European politicians are joining them. Charlie Harding from Switched On Pop joins us this week on Today Explained to help us figure out if Europe can sing its way out of this situation. So let's revisit 2020. Prediction, the Democratic nominee would be Bloomberg or Buttigieg. Got that wrong, enough said. I don't know about you. I'm gonna miss the misogyny, the bigotry, and the general head up your assery stupidity of the last four years. I'm gonna miss that. But anyways, uh, welcome Biden and Harris. Uber exits food delivery. We got that wrong. We got that wrong. As a matter of fact, they doubled down on food delivery acquired Postmates, and this, to be fair, I'm not a big fan of Uber. I think it's part of the menace economy. We figured out a way to take advantage of a permanent underclass and use software to circumvent minimum wage laws. But distinct to that, 
you have to give the management team kudos for pivoting uh, and taking advantage of the COVID-19 pandemic and moving into food delivery, which has surged as ride hailing has declined. And you can see that this probably saved Uber's market capitalization. You got to think that Uber would be struggling right now had they not made this acquisition. In 24 months, FedEx is acquired or down 30% as a prediction I made. Amazon is now spending more money on fulfillment than FedEx or Walmart and has a clean sheet design and is just executing better. And I thought this was going to primarily be the beginning of the end for FedEx. And I thought this was going really well. And then COVID came along and distinct of all the death, disease and disability, it's messed with my predictions, which is really the tragedy here. And as you can tell, FedEx has surged. Good for them. Their shipping volumes are up. They're going to play a critical role in the distribution of the vaccine. Way to go, guys. Amazon will be the fastest growing healthcare company in the world by 2025. I'm going to say that we have gotten this right or we are getting it right. Amazon has piloted several healthcare initiatives on its own employees and has all the assets to create a corpus of your digital healthcare system, specifically a wearable that tracks a lot of data, including your body mass index, your movement, what foods you order, your purchase history, your demographics, your wealth, whether you're in a monogamous relationship, your zip code, all the actuarial inputs you would need to build an entire vision or image of your digital health. And they'll be able to not only offer you products and services and a diet, but get off their heels and onto their toes from a healthcare standpoint, and perhaps offer you insurance, diagnostics, or even primary care over smartphones or smart speakers. I believe that the relationship Amazon has with 82% of American households, and by the way, that's the most trusted relationship in the United States between a corporation and a company, that healthcare is a natural fit. And it is clear they are lining up their tanks, their planes, and their artillery at the border to go after what is the most disruptable business in the world, specifically the 17% of US GDP or the four, the three to $4 trillion business that is healthcare. The party stops in 2020. We predicted this in December after basically an 11-year bull run. And we see a 20% correction in the Dow. Boom, that happened. It's also had a vicious rip back, but we did have that decline. I'm going to give us a win there. Private company valuations will continue to decline. We're seeing declines. There are some big winners, but on the whole, there have been more down rounds, approximately double the number of down rounds in 2020 than there had been in previous years. Vision Fund 2 does not happen. Remember WeWork? Doesn't that just seem kind of fun, the whole SoftBank WeWork fiasco? Well, we were right here. This thing has not worked from the start. Uh, take somebody who conflates the luckiest investment in the world, 10 million or 50 million into Alibaba for a $100 million return, and they start believing they're a genius and uh, regression of the mean and karma has a way of catching up to you and Vision Fund 2 is not going to happen. In 2020, Airbnb becomes more valuable than Uber. And you might say, well, that's obvious. Well, it wasn't obvious at the time. When we made the prediction, when we made the prediction, Airbnb's value was 30 billion and went to 18. And at the same time, Uber's valuation was approximately double. So we said, okay, these things are going to revert. Where are we now? They're primarily equal. And that is because of the pandemic, because of a great move around acquiring a ride hailing, excuse me, a delivery company, Uber stock has surged, but it hasn't surged as much as Airbnb. And Airbnb is on the precipice of eclipsing Uber's market capitalization. As a matter of fact, it may have happened today. Why is Airbnb such an incredible gangster company? It is a platform. It has incredible moats around network effects. And as we're seeing, it is accelerating 115% up on the first day of the IPO. Twitter attracts an activist investor or is acquired. Uh, I wrote a letter to the board of Twitter um, management or to the board of directors. Uh, interesting, I did not hear back. They did not write the dog back. And to be blunt, I felt that Twitter uh, having a part-time CEO is on the verge of comical. Uh, I've been on several public company boards and dozens of private boards, and I've never met a CEO who can manage two firms at the same time. So maybe Dorsey has some superpower I'm not aware of. And if Twitter moves just one, three, ten percent of its revenue to a subscription model, I believe that the stock would surge. And as a result, uh, Elliott, uh, the, one of the largest hedge funds in the world, read my letter and basically showed up and signed it with a with a $1 billion pen, got three seats on the board, which means that the board knew that they were outgunned and they gave up board seats incredibly, incredibly fast. The stock has continued to go up. And I believe, I believe that the stock will hit $70 per share if the board continues to pull its head out of its ass 
and fires their part-time CEO, moves him up to chairman so he can have peace with dignity and shows any pulse around subscription. I think that's going to happen this year. By the way, management teams and boards don't put out letters confirming or validating or reinforcing the CEO's job unless they're about to fire him and he's looking for peace with honor or a graceful exit. What do we also have here with our part-time CEO? We have part-time revenue growth. Look at the usage patterns. They are up. To be clear, this is a fantastic product. Yet, yet the revenue growth does not match, does not match their user growth. Whereas at the other social media firms, Snap and Facebook, revenue growth is outpacing user growth. What is wrong with this movie? When Dorsey speaks, the stock drops. This guy opens his mouth and people say, wow, great product, great opportunity, shitty part-time CEO. And every time he speaks, he reinforces our instincts here. Let's sell the stock. Quibi will be the worst performing unicorn in 2020. And the, the tough thing about predictions is when you get them right, they seem obvious in retrospect. But a little, a little 411 on when we made this prediction. We made it a long time ago before they even launched. As a matter of fact, the CFO of the company, who's a Stern grad, called me and said, hey, boss, can you not dance on our grave before we've been birthed? You're not helping. So I quieted the hell down. But not after I said this thing made absolutely no sense. And look at the headlines and the excitement coming out of the gates for Quibi. Oh my God, Quick Bites. It's going to be awesome, right? They secured $100 million of ad commitments ahead of launch. Remember all the excitement about the new Judge Judy, right? I wrote this post in February saying this thing made absolutely no sense. And what skill, what vision did we bring to the party here? Math, simply put, for every billion dollars in content, that you get from Apple, they only charge you 83 cents a month. Netflix gives you a billion dollars in content in exchange for 81 cents a month. And guess what? Quibi thought by slicing stuff up into three or five or seven minute segments that they could charge you eight bucks for every billion dollars in content. That just made no sense. They showed up to a squirk, they showed up to a howitzer fight with a squirt gun. This thing just right out of the gates was a terrible value proposition. They were outgunned. What do you know? What do you know? Just after six months, by the way, if you're working at Quibi, the best thing that can happen to you is success. The second best thing that can happen is quick failure. So the second best thing happened to the folks at Quibi and the people who work there. Whereas failing over decades or a decade like I did at Red Envelope, that shit hurts. That shit hurts. So failing fast, don't feel sorry for them. They are just fine. Apple goes full rundle and hits 200 bucks a share. That's the prediction here. Okay, so how has their stock price increased three and a half fold on a mild increase in top line revenue and bottom line revenue? Simple, a move to a recurring revenue bundle. They've gone from 9% recurring revenue five years ago to almost 24%. My guess is they like, when they get their lips around the crack pipe of shareholder growth at the hands of the most accretive action in business history, moving to a recurring revenue bundle, or as we call it, as we call it, the rundle, when they go full rundle, this is the most accretive action in business history. And need, you need to be a CEO who not only thinks about top line and bottom line, but your business model and moving into a monogamous relationship with your consumer said Apple took 42 years, 42 years to get to a trillion dollars. And then it took five months to get to two trillion on the back of a recurring revenue bundle. Apple is going full rundle in 2021. What does that mean? They're going to take their B-League, Joey Bag of Donuts, Bad News Bears, existing Rundle, right? Their Apple One, and they're going to add in this. And they're going to add in the watch, and they're going to add in the AirPod Pros, and they're going to add in the iPad, you know, the shit we love Apple for. And they will say to the billion wealthiest people on the planet, iOS users, if you come in with us, if you establish a monogamous relationship at 50, 100, 200 bucks a month, you get all of this early. You get it preloaded. The biggest mistake. The biggest mistake we make as marketers, and Apple has realized this, who's probably the best marketer in the world, is that choice is not a good thing. Choice is a bad thing. Choice is a tax. What do we want? We don't want more choice. We want fewer choices. We just want to be more confident in the choices presented. They just peel off 10% of the people signaling, have sex with me. I'm a better storyteller. I'm a baller. I make money. You should have kids with me. Your kids are more likely to survive if you have sex with me and we procreate than if you have sex with someone who has an Android device. True story, true story. So if they just get 10% of their iOS base, that's 100 million people, 
at 100 bucks a month. They have $10 billion a month in recurring revenue. Boom, $200 a share. Boom, $3 trillion market capitalization. It's coming. Our prediction. We said that Disney would win round one of the streaming wars. And you say, well, that's obvious. Well, it wasn't obvious back when we said that. This is where Disney was. The Disney Channel had not worked. People had a head start on them. People had more capital. This is where we were when we made this prediction. And then what happened a year later? Disney has absolutely sprinted out. We're talking like steroid Ben Johnson out of the blocks here. It has been inspiring, both on an Emmy side and on a new subscriber side. We also predicted that Shopify and Roku would be the new kids on the block, that these companies were coming into their own and would, be, would achieve an altitude or an elevation they hadn't done yet. And oh my gosh, look at these two. Look at these two. We're so proud. We're so proud. Canada. Oh my gosh. It's good to see Canada. Can't you imagine that Canada right now says, are we in an apartment living above a meth lab called America? Anyway, anyway, different talk show, up 160 and 195%. Shopify now worth more than FedEx, the largest mall operator, Simon and Nordstrom. And look at these metrics around Roku. Oh my gosh, Roku. I don't really know what Roku does. I just know that they are killing it. We said that TikTok and Microsoft was a total head fake and there was no way this would happen. Why? Because distinct of what the current administration would like to believe, we are a nation of laws. We're also a nation of immigrants. Anyways, 50% of PhDs in the US, immigrants, hello, hello, 70% of the NASDAQ by dollar volume run by first and second generation immigrant. I know, I know, our team gets the first round draft choice from every team in the nation, but we don't want that. We want to be xenophobes and really fucking weird and say to everyone, no, we don't want the best people in the world. We're going to be strange bigots. Well, guess what? We're a nation of laws and distinct of the current administration deciding to slice up and fork up the corporate world and distinct of Microsoft going for this bait. What idiots. Did you really think this was going to happen? This made absolutely no sense whatsoever. Oracle didn't win either. They've just become a minority investor. Why? because she's in charge here. China co-ops is an autocracy and has control over all of these firms. By the way, TikTok is in fact a security risk, and there is no reason that these firms, Chinese firms, should have unfettered access to our markets if we don't have access to theirs. But unilateral, stupid 140-character decisions were not sustainable. So that's a wrap for 2020. Not bad for us. We got 11 of the 14 predictions on the nose or near nose. We have one more quick break before we bust into our 2021 prediction. Stay tuned for our thoughts on potential acquisitions, the great dispersion of a number of industries, and more. Welcome back. Let's talk about this year. Let's talk 2021. First prediction. In the face of antitrust, Facebook stock increases and Amazon spends. Have you noticed the distinct of this horrible crime against humanity that the FTC actually wants to break up Facebook, as does any other lawmaker that sees their eyes on the governor's mansion who's an AG right now? And what do you know? Facebook stock didn't move. As a matter of fact, we've known this is coming for about three months, and Facebook stock continues to accelerate. In addition, there are now two points on the line of antitrust. Two points. The first was the DOJ's action against Google. The seconds was the FTC and the AGs against Facebook. Who's third? Who's third? It's going to be that company in Seattle. But Bezos is smarter and probably more ego-driven than any of the rest of us. Why? Because he's my age and he's having the mother of all midlife crises. By the way, I can relate to this because I'm in the midst of a midlife crisis. That's the bad news. The good news is I believe I'm going to grow out of it in about 40 or 50 years. Anyways, anyways, there's no one who's going to tell Bezos to break up. So he's going to say, no, I'm breaking up with you. And he's going to spin AWS. And AWS will be the most valuable company by 2025. By using its vast droves of data and money, Facebook has squashed or hindered what the company perceived to be potential threats. The bottom line is they have shown up and said, join or die. But more than that, more than that, what, what, what could have WhatsApp been? That's the problem with innovation suppression when antitrust, when the DOJ has been asleep for 20 years. We don't know what could have happened with WhatsApp. I believe that WhatsApp might have gone into video or collaboration. Do you think WhatsApp would have sat by and let Teams or let Slack or let Zoom develop into the companies they are? I believe WhatsApp would be worth more right now and will be worth more when it's an independent company. But however, 
The sociopath and his lipstick on cancer are lining troops up at the border. Almost a third of lawyers at Facebook have been hired in the last 24 months. He is not going to go down without a fight. But oh, my brothers, he is going to go down. And my sisters. The whole is less than the sum of its parts here. As a split-up firm, similar to John D. Rockefeller when they took Standard Oil and split it into 34 companies, Mark Zuckerberg will get wealthy here. As a matter of fact, every stakeholder benefits in a breakup. Shareholders, the tax base, VC-backed companies, the employees who have more options. Competition is a wonderful thing. The only, the only person who doesn't win is the CEO who wants to sit on the Iron Throne of all seven realms not just be king of the North. Break this shit up. AWS, the most valuable company in the world that is spun prophylactically by Bezos. The great dispersion, big theme here, big theme here. We've been talking about COVID-19 be more of an accelerant than a change agent. What is the real trend here though? It's dispersion and that is value. The core value a company offers is being dispersed to the end consumer and skipping the traditional channels of distribution, be they stores, be they movie theaters, be they traditional sales channels. And I think this is arguably the biggest trend in business and will create the most shareholder value. We've had globalization, we've had digitization, and we've had now dispersion. And that's the theme of our predictions. The ability to distribute products and services over a wide area and where and when they are needed most, removing unnecessary friction and cost. First big trend, dispersion of headquarters, right? If you wanna hear Denial, get someone who owns an office building and a movie theater in the same room. Oh, people can't wait to get work back to work. No, they can't, people can wait. There is a cohort that wants to go back to work, specifically young people looking for mentors, friends, and mates. A third of people meet their mate at work. By the way, that's not necessarily a bad thing, a uh, different talk show. However, we're gonna see a dispersion of headquarters to residential, specifically commercial real estate is going to move to residential. We're also gonna see a renaissance in co-working. I'm not a big fan of WeWork, but we're going to see co-working pop up again. Why? Because most people are still working from home. And even when they return, they're going to be used to having the flexibility to stay at home, which will absolutely decrease, structurally destroy demand across full-time office leases. But we're going to need to see a need or a renewed, a renewed need for co-working space. Just look at San Francisco. Co-working space to a certain uh, level takes out the volatility of both the cost on the demand and the supply side of commercial real estate. In just 12 months, this is crazy, San Francisco registered its lowest vacancy rate ever commercially and then its highest. That's what a pandemic will do to you. We're also seeing a lot of people are increased number of searches, Google searches for co-working, and we see a lot of firms who are permanently adopting a work from home option. Young people more than anyone want to be in offices. You're seeing Facebook and Google and Amazon double down on urban real estate. Huge leases signed in New York because they realize the key to their business, the secret sauce, is a double E, 25-year-old out of Dartmouth, and she wants to spend a couple years in cities, and they're building these Xanadu-like campuses for the cohort, specifically young people that want to come back to the office. Prediction! Airbnb will be bigger than the top five hotel chains combined and hits $200 a share. In sum... This is the strongest brand in the history of hospitality. Look at the number of searches for any city when you're looking for a hotel room. They dwarf every other search for hospitality combined. Nobody says, oh, I got an Expedia in San Francisco. Oh, I decided to get a booking.com on my business trip. No one says that. This is the strongest, biggest, deepest brand in the history of hospitality or travel. Seven million rooms, more than the biggest players combined and also, also a true tech company that has a greater percentage of their employees are actual technologists or engineers greater than Amazon, Lyft, or Uber. We have a juggernaut here. We have a juggernaut. I predicted that this thing would be worth $100 billion in the IPO. I was wrong. It was worth 90, but it's worth more. Look at how much it's worth right now or will be worth. I believe it's going to be $120 billion by the end of the year, which puts it at $200 a share. I believe restoration hardware and Sonos will reach $1,000 and $40 a share, respectively. Why? Because some of that trillions of dollars in commercial real estate is going to disperse into the home, and there just aren't that many good brands in the home. Remember when you looked at a million or $2 million home, and they bragged that they had a sub-zero freezer, so a $2,500 item was being used to sell a million-dollar home? Well, Sonos and Restoration Hardware are two of the best brands in a sector that is about to absorb a trillion dollars in unexpected stakeholder value and capital. We've seen their stock prices 
increased, but it's just getting started in my view. Disclosure, I don't know Sonos, I don't own Sonos or restoration hardware. And you're gonna see these companies rocket. Again, permanent, permanent demand destruction across a 10 to $12 trillion asset class. And where is that money gonna go? It's gonna go into residential. Who else here has realized, wow, that carpet looks really shitty, or maybe I need a nicer apartment, or maybe it's time I put in drapes, or I would like, I don't know, smells kind of funny in here. I'm gonna make it nicer. That is what everyone is thinking in every house across America. Plywood costs and residential real estate have hit all-time highs, and we're just getting started. Why else? We spend 17% of our budget on transportation. We're not commuting as much. What are we gonna do with that money? We're gonna put it where we're not commuting from, specifically our homes. What does this mean? The great dispersion of HQ to residential is gonna be amazing for the brands on top of the x-axis here, and it's gonna be an incredible shedding of value from some of the companies below the x-axis here. Apple acquires Peloton. That's right. There has never been a brand that better foots to another brand than Peloton does to Apple. Why, why? There's a dispersion of the sweat of the industrial sweat complex to the home. Simply put, gyms are dying. There will be a, a mild resurgence. They will still exist, but we're gonna lose somewhere between 10 and 30% of that value of gyms. Where's it gonna go? Into your garage and into different types of weights. Look at what's happened to work at home equipment. It is absolutely surged. Peloton, it's better to be lucky than good. Peloton is both. And you're gonna see Apple come in and decide, I know, I know, we want connected fitness in this incredible company that has Apple-like brand, Apple-like margins, and has a market capitalization of $32 billion, which is crazy, maybe overvalued, maybe not. Was Jet.com worth $3 billion? No, was it worth $10 billion probably to Walmart? Yes. Is Peloton worth $33 billion? I don't know. Is it worth more than that to Apple? Yes. Apple has a $2 trillion Market capitalization, that means if they pay a 30% premium and pay 40 billion, that's a 2% dilution to acquire connected fitness in the home. What does that mean? They get more and more of the all-important attention graph, and that's what they are all trying to do. They're all trying to be the access code, the operating system for our digital lives, and this would be a baller move that increases anywhere from 30 to 60 minutes a day the amount of time you are staring at iOS. Dispersion of retail. First it went to warehouses near doorstep. Now it's moving to our phones and our tablets. There'll be big acquisitions by Shopify and or Zoom. These stocks are so rich. This currency is so incredibly inflated. I'm not sure I'd say overvalued because they're incredible performers, but they are gonna go shopping. We haven't seen anything like this. Good for them. Shopify up 41 fold since in the last five years. That gives them the ability and the need to go buy real EBITDA. We've also seen incredible acceleration in the GMV they manage, but they haven't made any acquisitions. I expect they will make an enormous acquisition in 2021. The stock performance, obviously extraordinary here of Zoom, 113 billion. I am less bullish on Zoom. I do not think it is as sustainable. I believe that Zoom will either acquire or merge with a big, big company in 2021. And the real interesting thing here, Zoom could be the AOL of 2021. Why, why? They are up against, they think they're a gray white shark, they think they're the badass of the ocean, but the apex predator, simply put, an orca, which is smarter, that is Microsoft with Teams and Salesforce with Slack, might show up and offer video and eat their lunch. I think Zoom is very vulnerable in this $113 billion market capitalization is likely inflated. They will recognize this and try and pull a Steve Case and merge with a traditional big EBITDA company, maybe another telco. And I believe that merger will likely go down in history as one of the worst mergers or acquisitions in history. Zoom either has to buy their way out of this or sell. This is not sustainable. They are playing with giants and the giant is about to smack them hard. They need to either hook up with an Atlassian, develop some sort of suite here, but as a standalone entity, they are like single title publishing. They are vulnerable. What would be an interesting acquisition or an interesting merger? Zoom and WhatsApp, which will be spun whether Zuckerberg likes it or not. There will be a forced sale of WhatsApp. The dispersion of creativity. 
get the traditional gatekeepers out of the way. An example, Etsy, which I think is just inspiring. I would have thought they would have gotten run over by Amazon, but anyway, it's good for them. Roblox will triple in value. This is an incredible company that actually gives a good goddamn about safety and children, that has a flywheel effect, that helps people, um, helps creators do incredible games for kids. Over a third of their revenues goes out to their creators. Over 50% of kids in the US under the age of 16 have been on Roblox in the last 30 days. This is arguably the most influential company in history as it relates to children. And at the same time, they recognize how important this is. So in their S1, they mentioned safety 60 times. They mentioned parental six times, right? This is what we had hoped that Facebook would have been had it not been run by a sociopath. Roblox is the social media company we all wanted. It is a true platform. By the way, by the way, 79% of their employees are technologists. Roblox is more of a tech company than Google or any other tech company. This is an incredible Firm, when's the last time you saw an IPO pulled because the market was so strong, they thought maybe we're not thinking big enough. Where's this dispersion going? We're gonna see many of these platforms accelerate and we're gonna see many of the traditional gatekeepers get the shit kicked out of them because they like the existing film creative industrial complex, right? Podcasts get featureized and there's a flurry of acquisitions. Why? If you have an industry where there's high NPS, and low multiples and low revenues, then it makes sense for a low NPS, high revenue company to come in and say, I know, I know, if we launch Transparent and the marvelous Mrs. Mizell and people like us more and we just decrease churn from 80% to 70% or we decrease, we increase renewal from 90% to 93%, we can monetize it in some, in some high NPS products are used to sell more paper towels and more handsets. And the ultimate arbitrage here is in podcasting. People are very fond and have real goodwill towards their favorite podcast, but, but the industry is so small, it hasn't really been monetized. So you see these incredible arbitrage deals. Hollywood's essentially been featureized. It used to be a business that had to be profitable in and among itself, but the big guys realized, you know what? I can spend more money than I take in as long as I sign up more Prime memberships and sell more handsets. This is effectively featureized all of entertainment, where it's no longer a business in and among itself, but simply a feature to differentiate a better business, specifically big tech. They're all going vertical. What happened when House of Cards was launched on Netflix and they went vertical? Their stock skyrocketed. It's happening again. Look at what happened when Spotify was just not vertical, not investing in proprietary differentiated content, not increasing their NPS, and then they do a $100 million deal. By the way, Joe Rogan got ripped off. The stock's up 126% since they announced this deal. There's gonna be a race to acquire this high NPS talent to differentiate platforms who can monetize it to a much greater extent than these companies can monetize themselves. Again, it's the arbitrage of NPS. Take every independent podcast across all categories, and they are starting to get calls from the bigger platforms saying, hey, what do you make? Do you make five million? Would you like 50 million? Because all I need is one basis point, 50 basis point increase in my MPS, and I can monetize it to a greater extent, and you're still the cheapest way for me to differentiate myself. $100 million for Joe Rogan, he got ripped off. We're gonna see a dispersion of education. We're gonna see more unicorns in ed tech than almost any other sector as a percentage of how many unicorns there are now. Why? Because people such as myself and my boss have transferred $1.6 trillion in wealth from middle-class households to universities. Why? So university administrators can have less accountability and make more money. If it sounds morally corrupt, trust your instincts. What's happening? Huge disruption, specifically at the hands of our cash cow cows that have decided they don't want to show up to a COVID-infested racist country called the U.S., and we're seeing an absolute uh, destruction or an absenteeism of international students who are our cash cows. The number of international students that show up for the first time is off 43%, and it has declined 16% in general. Look at the number of international students, or the decline in the number of international students as a percentage of the student body of the top MBA programs. This is just in 12 months. In some, in some, they're just not coming to school. We did an analysis of which universities would be hit hardest 
or do the best post-COVID. Our methodology is simple. We looked at value, their credential, essentially the brand. We looked at the experience is based on a company called Niche of Student Life. And we looked at the NPV, the present value of the bump you got from that education and that credential. We then did all of this or set all of this over tuition. And we looked at vulnerability, specifically the shock absorber of the endowment per student. If you have a lot of money, you can weather almost any storm. And also their vulnerability or their comorbidity around those international students who are their cash cows. The more international students, the more cash cows you're likely going to lose during the pandemic. And then, and then we disarticulated and parsed these into four quadrants. And what did I get the next day? A lot of activity on this post, probably more activity on this post than I've ever received. And for the first time, not one, not two, but three cease and desist letters. Isn't it nice to be threatened to spend 35 years of your life without ever getting any sort of legal action threatened, much less pursued, and then to have chancellors and university administrators send you cease and desist letters. Specifically, they wanted us to say this data is not accurate and stop trashing us because we're worried our students aren't going to show up and pay full freight for our near Ivy-like experience that we're overcharging for when we, when we foist the feces of a university-like experience, in other words, give them a Hyundai worth of education for a Mercedes-like price, we're going to see a massive inflow into the disruption of ed tech. $750 billion is no longer to be getting dispersed through the traditional channels of universities. And as a result, we're going to see an explosion in remote and online learning and also hybrids that partner with universities. The dispersion in healthcare is probably the most exciting, disruptive transition in stakeholder value in history. Walmart is going to continue to get further, deeper, deeper into healthcare with acquisitions. Our healthcare in this country is shameful. We spend more than any country in the world, except we have worse outcomes. So the way to describe healthcare would be the same way to describe San Francisco as a city. Expensive, but bad. Walmart has the scale. They actually, actually uh, have a fantastic uh, means of testing their healthcare. And Walmart, there's a Walmart closer to Americans than most hospitals. They're going to roll out uh, healthcare incrementally through acquisitions and innovations similar to what they're doing with their health clinics, where they offer primary care and standard procedures at a very reasonable cost. Amazon will begin to perform the Jedi mind trick they perform on most industries on healthcare. And over the next 12 months, they will literally grab $100 billion from existing healthcare companies just by threatening to go into healthcare and just with press releases. Look what happened. Look what happened to these guys. Every time Amazon announces good numbers, its stock goes up and other retailers go down. Why? Because people have figured out what's good for Amazon is bad for the rest of retail. Well, what is about to be good for Amazon is about to be bad for the rest of healthcare. This is a company that added $1.5 trillion at the expense of other retailers. What does it need to do, though? It has a law, it has a problem, the law of big numbers. It needs to add about a half, a quarter of a trillion dollars in top line revenue to maintain the velocity of its stock. It's going to go after healthcare. Healthcare companies, the 10 biggest, added $80 billion in market capitalization. What does that mean? What does that mean? Where is that coming from? When Amazon announces that it's doing something with Berkshire Hathaway and JP Morgan, Everybody else begins to shed value to Amazon. And we're going to see the same thing over and over this year. The dispersion of markets, right? We're no longer going into brokerages. We're no longer dealing with stockbrokers. It's coming to our handheld phone. Dispersion is not all good. There are some very dangerous things because it disperses and it skips not only channels of distribution, it can skip regulation or sometimes needed, needed friction. I believe 2021 is the year we get a new menace that joins Lyft and Uber and Facebook, the new menace is online trading app Robinhood. Robinhood traders trade 88 times the number of options when size adjusted as any other platform. We also have an organization that is not thinking of its investors as, as the customer, but the product that produces data that they then sell to other hedge funds who front run these trades or want insight in what the dumb money is doing, and they are able to garner much more revenue than any other firm based on the trading data of their products, specifically their consumers. What could go wrong here? Options that is total share of revenues, these very dangerous exotic instruments that are not for first-time investors, over-index at Robinhood. And we're also seeing the algebra of deterrence is not working here. The SEC has now fined them for a second time for not being transparent around how they are monetizing 
their consumers' data. They find them 2 million, then 10 million. And guess what? Robinhood, like Facebook, just don't give a shit, right? Why would you? If you have a parking meter in front of your house that costs 100 bucks and the ticket is 25 cents, let's break the law. And that's what Robinhood is doing, similar to what Facebook did when they continued to wave the middle finger in the face of regulators, because it doesn't matter. We can, write, we can stroke a check for $5 billion. That's about 11 days of cash flow. Look at Charles Schwab when you want to invest. You get messages saying the following. Make sure you have your short-term needs covered. A relatively low-risk investment. What happens when you go onto the Robinhood app, right? Hi there, instant access. You're going to get instant deposits. Get your, get your first free share of stock now. And then you do anything and boom, boom, what happens? It starts to rain confetti. Let's create behavioral triggers that release dopamine and get you addicted in a bull market. What could go wrong? We are considering additional criteria and education for customers seeking level three options authorization to help ensure customers understand more sophisticated options trading. What are they talking about? They're talking about their response to a 20-year-old Alex Kearns who received an errant, incorrect statement from Robinhood saying that he was down $700,000, no, the firm $700,000, and seeing no way out, decided that his way out was to throw himself in front of a train. And this is their response. And to be fair, what have they done? Fucking nothing. I don't know these two founders. All I know is they don't have sons. If we could go back in time and stop one menace, from depressing our teens and weaponizing our elections. Would we do anything about it? That's where we are now. These two are menaces. There is good news. The, good news. the Massachusetts Secretary of Commonwealth, Galvin, says Robinhood is a reckless company gamifying investing. More of this to come. Goldman Sachs CEO puts out a very thoughtful note that the markets are overvalued. It's bad, all this volatility. Yet they've decided they're going to be the lead underwriter for Robinhood. Boss, walk the walk. Make the music match the words. This company has no business in the market. Supposedly, when Robinhood had an outage last week, volatility skyrocketed and volume went way down. What could go wrong? This firm is not only bad for young men, it is bad for the markets and injects systemic risk into the markets. Next prediction. SPACs underperform. We've seen record levels of SPACs, right? I mean, unbelievable number of SPACs. Record year. And we're seeing about, we've seen about $70 billion that is still unspacked, meaning it's been raised, but they haven't found a target. Special Purpose Acquisition Corp, you go raise money, and then you say, I'm going to go find a target. I've done all the hard work of getting a company public. Boom, just add water, public company. They get to, be, they get to trade right away. And so we're going to go out and find a great private company. So $70 billion, it's usually, it's usually leveraged two or three to one with additional debt once they find a target. But we've seen incredible, incredible interest in this because never underestimate the market's ability to produce a product when people have cash in their hand. Just think of it as when you're in New York and it starts to rain, before you know it, there's umbrellas for sale everywhere. Well, there are a ton of umbrellas for sale right now in the form of SPACs. What does this mean? There's $200 billion searching for private companies right now. That means if these SPACs buy General Motors, Ford, Boeing, Fiat Chrysler, Delta United, JetBlue, and American Airlines, they would still have money. The question is, are there that many great private companies that are sort of IPO ready? And most likely, the answer is no. Bitcoin surpasses $50,000. As we've been writing this or preparing, we've been working on this presentation for a month. I think Bitcoin is up five to $7,000. I think of Bitcoin, I don't fully understand it. But the way I think about it is I think about it as a company and a brand. And right now, even with its run up to, I think, 23,000 a day, it has a market capitalization of $400 billion. Or if you took all the coins, time the value, it's 400 billion. It's about the worth of Johnson & Johnson. I think of this thing, though, as somewhat true or not, its perception is it's a hedge against inflation. It represents liberty. And it represents uh, the new gold. And the thing about this is you can create a go bag and you can stick uh, $10 million of gold uh, in your head with an access code where you, so you can't do that uh, uh, with gold. Or you can do it with Bitcoin. You can't do it with gold. So I believe this asset class is going to breach a trillion dollars, which means it goes to $50,000. If that sounds like very unsophisticated analysis, trust your instincts. But that doesn't mean I'm wrong.
doesn't mean I'm wrong. This thing is now, Bitcoin is now getting the institutional support to give people the security, mainline investors to start putting a percentage of their assets in to Bitcoin. And then if you look at the um, uh, government's ability, all government's ability to just print tremendous amounts of money, you could make an argument that in fact, cash is going to incur a decrease in purchasing power and that this might be seen as a more sophisticated, more millennial, more hip version of gold as a hedge to inflation that may in fact become a tangible threat soon. This is evidenced by the fact that the increase in Bitcoin seems to be inversely correlated to people pulling out funds or correlated to people pulling funds out of gold ETFs. In other words, people perceive Bitcoin as being gold-like and are transferring their assets in gold into Bitcoin. And by the way, there's a lot more than $400 billion invested in gold right now. Let's talk about the dispersion of media. Disney stock will rise 30% on move to Arundel. Now, we made this prediction again about a month ago, and the stock is up 20 or 30% since then, but it still has a lot of legs. Go on LinkedIn. Go on LinkedIn. Do some basic searches, and you can find out they are lining up the Rundle tanks at the border. Look at all the jobs. Look at the descriptions of all the jobs they are looking to fill right now. They've also done a major reorg to go full Rundle and rally around Disney+. Plus. Why? Because they've decided, what is strategy? All strategy boils down to one thing. What can we do that is really hard, that other people can't do? Well, what other people can't do is launch a series on Young Lando or take Jedi Ashoka and put her on TV or monetize $100 billion in acquisitions of Pixar, Lucasfilm, and Marvel. This company has so much momentum right now. Oh, and by the way, let's give people a Baby Yoda doll and give them the opportunity to take their sons to Disney and have a special edge of galaxy experience where they make their own lightsabers. Oh, and by the way, if you want to come to our parks when it's not crowded, you need to be a Disney Plus member and maybe even we get you a better cabin on Disney Cruises. This is the ultimate rundle. Anyone with kids has to join this thing called Disney Plus. They'll have pricing power and the marketplace will look at their revenues and it'll recast the multiple on this company, similar to what's happened to Apple over the last five years. We wrote about this. By the way, just as Snap has been the product planning and development department for Facebook, who has been the strategy department for AT&T and Disney? That's right, us. Anyway, we're going full run to at and stock. It's $40 a share and or divest HBO or CNN. Uh, they had an acquisition. They've lost control of the narrative. Stocks are now more narrative than they are numbers. And they've lost control of the narrative. The narrative right now is basically the following. It's basically you made a bad acquisition. Well, they are going to get control of the narrative. They're going to take it back. They did the baller move here. Despite all the complaints of people making tens of millions of dollars with the existing channels of film and Dutch, what a shocker that the head of CAA and Christopher Nolan making between 10 and $50 million a year off the existing infrastructure think it's a really bad idea. We are going to see the multiple on AT&T go up for every one basis point and multiple that AT&T gets back by recasting and reclaiming the narrative. They increase their market capitalization by $1.7 billion. And this is how they're going to do it. This was the baller move of media when they decided to take everything directly to HBO Max. And by the way, who decided to agree to their terms all of a sudden? Roku. Why? Because HBO Max has just gotten a giant EpiPen T-therapy, whatever the hell you want to call it. They all of a sudden have unbelievable new mojo. And they are either going to show a reinvigorated story that'll take AT&T stock up, or they will spin HBO and possibly CNN, who is going to go behind a paywall. Why? Because advertising is a tax on the poor and the technologically literate, and no good content should be ad-supported. We spend two weeks a year watching commercials. Reed Zakaria, one of my professional role models, amazing show, 14 minutes of commercial time. And what do they get for that? For pelting you with reminders how much it sucks to get old and say, we can solve your opioid-induced constipation or make your legs less restless. They get 23 cents for shoveling that shit down your throat, right? Or for 14 minutes of ads, they get 23 cents from an advertiser. And this is a great show that advertisers love. Another way of thinking about this is the advertising industrial complex and Time Warner believes that your time is worth approximately a dollar an hour. No, it's not. No, it's not. Your, your time's worth more, at least a buck 10, maybe more, maybe more. So what are they gonna do? 
they're going to recognize the way you create trillions of dollars or at least billions of dollars in shareholder value is to invent a time machine. Netflix isn't a media company. It's a time machine. If you only let your kids watch Netflix, they save two weeks of their life a year with advertising. The markets realize this and realize non-ad supported recurring revenue companies are a better business and have taken their stocks up substantially over the last 12 months. It's a better business model. What's the most bulletproof media company in the world right now? The New York Times. It's not old versus new. It's subscription versus ad base. And the New York Times, which gets two thirds of its revenue from subscription, is now monetizing them to the tune of 66 bucks a piece. We're going to see the best content on the progressive side go behind a paywall. Let's summarize. This is the beginning of the end of big tech as we know it. We're going to see antitrust. However, however, Facebook's stock will increase in the face of antitrust as the only person who loses here is the Zuck. And Amazon is going to prophylactically spin AWS. The dispersion of HQ is going to result in a co-working renaissance. Restoration hardware becomes a, breaches 1,000. Sony, Sonos, $40 a share. Airbnb uh, becomes worth more than Uber. Apple acquires Peloton. We're seeing a dispersion of retail. Big acquisitions for Shopify and or Zoom which could be seen as the AOL of 2021. This thing is very vulnerable, sitting on top of a $120 billion market cap. We're seeing a dispersion of education. We're going to see more unicorns in education as a percentage of existing unicorns of any other sector. We're seeing a dispersion of creativity. Roblox triples in value. Podcasts get featureized, and we see a flurry of acquisitions of the strongest ones that are still independent. A dispersion of markets. People are recognizing that dispersion is not necessarily a good thing if we don't have friction or regulation. Robinhood is being recognized for what it is, a menace. SPACs will underperform. There's too many hunting too few good companies. Bitcoin hits $50,000. We see a dispersion of healthcare. Walmart gets into healthcare via acquisition. Amazon starts to perform their Jedi mind trick and drain the 10 biggest healthcare companies of their market capitalization. And we're seeing a dispersion of media. Disney stock will continue to accelerate based on their baller rundle. There was a sleeping giant that was prodded and poked and is finally waking up. AT&T stock hits $40 a share and or it divests HBO and CNN goes behind a paywall. That's it for this episode. Our producers are Caroline Shagrin and Drew Burrows. If you like what you heard, please follow, download, and subscribe. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next week with another episode of The Prop G Show from Section 4 and the Westwood One Podcast Network.